You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. So good to be back with you guys. If you were unaware, um, I had COVID the last couple weeks, finally got me. Um, been good for a couple years. But um, yeah, I was down for a bit there and uh, low levels of energy. So even now, I'm a little tired. So I, you might be like, wow, Riz is subdued today. Um, <laughs> might be a good thing. I don't know. I'm pretty energetic. So, um, But anyway, it's really good to be back. I missed you all a ton. Um, again, there is nothing like seeing faces and uh, being back with you guys and just being a part of this community in this Ohana. Um, I just want to give a shout out to all our amazing teachers we've had this summer. Um, Zach and Abby and Audrey and David, um, you guys, I mean, guys, they are a gift to our church. And it just so happened, like, not that there's ever a good time to get COVID, but it was already set up that those guys were planning on teaching. And so they... Um, the last few weeks, and this this last month, as you guys know, we've heard from them, and the Lord has used them to lead us through the book of Psalms, and um, it has been such a gift for me, because I, obviously I'm usually on this side, and in my study time, and even when I'm preaching, obviously the Lord does minister to me, but it's, it's a very different thing when um, myself— Two of those weeks I was sitting and two of those weeks kind of laying in bed watching um, with COVID. But uh, the Lord has really spoken to me just how much he desires to be with us and to hear from us uh, about all things in prayer. Um, right? The really good parts of life that we can rejoice in, the really hard parts. God so desires to be with us and meet with us. And um, I've been so encouraged by the last month. I'm so grateful for the way God has used our church to preach and teach his word. Uh, I pray and hope that that's been the same for you. And I know that not all of you guys have been here. But feel free to like go back um, on our website. There's sermons and teachings and um, They've been really powerful the last month and in my own life and really meaningful. And also, I just want to say how proud I am of all you guys engaging in prayer. You know, something that we've done this summer that is different is after every sermon, kind of in the second set of musical worship, which we'll do again today, is kind of have some type of directed prayer. Pray for one another, uh, kind of be still, or small group prayer, or, you know, ask the Lord things. But it's been a little different, but you guys have jumped into that and, and gone for it. And it's been really neat to see and hear how God has um, used that time. And so I hope that it's been the same for you. But, um, you know, I get the privilege of, of kind of ending our series the next three weeks, and I'm honored and excited to continue to have the Lord speak to us. Um, but as a way of recap, just to kind of draw us back into this Summer of Psalms series, if you've been with us, what we've done is we've been going through a different psalm each week, and really a different type of psalm. Um, meaning like there's different genres of psalms um, with, written in a different emotion and maybe a different response in mind. Um, things like uh, psalms of trust or psalms of wisdom or psalms of confession or lament or praise. Uh, and so far, we've gone through Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 32, 
Psalm 42, Psalm 77, and today we are going to look at Psalm 82. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to open up to Psalm 82. If you do not have a Bible, we have extra Bibles on the tables, kind of in the middle here on the sides, um, or you are allowed to pull out your phone now if you are only checking your Bible app. So, um, but I am actually reading out of the New Living Translation. It's a lot easier, kind of, I think, to just readily uh, understand it a bit. You know how kind of the work's a little bit done for you, as specifically with this Psalm 82. And so what I want to do is um, I want to read Psalm 82 together. Love for us to pray over it and then allow God to speak to us. Um, but just to give you a precursor on the genre. This song, uh, psalm, Psalm 82, is a psalm of lament, specifically one that refers to corporate lament. And we're going to talk through what that means, but if you don't pick up on it in these eight verses, um, you, you, we'll, we'll get into it after we pray. But Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph, uh, says this. God presides over heaven's courts. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. Asaph says, how long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? And he says in verse 3, he's, he's crying out to the Lord here. He says, give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. But these oppressors know nothing. They're so ignorant. They wander about in darkness while the whole world is shaken to the core. He goes on to say, I say you are gods. You are all children of the Most High. But you will die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. And he says, rise up, O God, and judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. Um, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, once again, we come before you. And God, we just ask that you would speak to us. Um, God, we, we believe that your word that we just read is living and it's active. And that it's profitable for the man, of woman, man or woman of God that you would correct us and, and teach us and refine us and equip us so that we would all be adequately equipped for every good work. Specifically today, Lord, we ask that you would teach us how to pray. You would teach us how to pray about the most painful things that are happening in our world. Things that we don't really even want to spend time thinking about or dwelling on too much because they're just too overwhelming. God, we want to sit in the brokenness and we want to take that brokenness to your feet. And God, if there's one thing that I, I, I do pray that I, that I desperately would ask for all of us is that we would become more like you. Our hearts would be more like the heart of Jesus that our heart would break over what breaks yours. That we would become more like you and less like the things around us. That we would become that much more of an empathetic, compassionate, caring, loving people. 
God, we want to be your people in this broken world. We want to see your kingdom come. And so, God, would you stir in us a desire to be a part of seeing you bring wholeness into this brokenness, broken world. Pray these in, things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, for the last few weeks, we've actually touched on the theme of lament. Um, Abby did it, and then Zach did it as well. But as way of reminder, just by definition, uh, what lament is, because I, I don't think a lot of us, uh, or the majority of us, use this in everyday uh, terminology, or we're, we're talking about this a lot, but l lament, to lament, by definition, is, to, is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. To lament over something is a passionate expression of grief. It's a deep, passionate show of, of grief and sorrow over something that's happening. And to kind of narrow down a bit more, what biblical lament is, is a prayer by the people of God to petition for God to help deliver from distress, suffering, and pain. And there's a lot of different examples of lament in the Bible. You know, even in Jewish tradition, we're not going to get into it, but the whole idea of like sackcloth and ashes, the people of Israel, when something happened in their nation to their people, they literally would like symbolically rub ashes and tear their clothes off. And throughout the New Testament, you, you know, unless you are into that thing and you kind of look into commentary, you read it very often that because of some pain or sorrow or something happened in their nation, the people of Israel would, would symbolically rip their clothes off and rub ashes on their faces. And it was a form of lament. But again, what lament is, if we were just to broaden it, and what we see here even in Psalm 82 is a prayer by the people of God, and it's a petition to God that God would help and come deliver and save and like bring healing and restoration. It's really, it's a prayer of desperation. It's a prayer when you, you literally cannot do anything else and you are just crying out to God for help. And, and the way in which this particular one, the Psalm today, Psalm 82, is one of corporate lament is twofold. I think twofold. Number one is, the reason why it's corporate, is that the lament that Asaph is speaking of here, and he's crying out to God about is over a public, corporate, or societal brokenness. Like, Asaph is not crying to, out to God on behalf of himself. A lot of times we read about, you know, David's troubles or different people in the Bible cry out to God because they're going through trials and tribulations and life's hard. And if we were to honest, that's probably a lot of our prayers. Life's hard. I don't have any money. I have a broken relationship. I'm scared. I'm nervous. It's not a... I'm not saying don't do that, but if we were honest, that's probably a lot of times what we think lament is. And again, Abby touched on that. That's personal lament. But Asaph in Psalm 82 is not talking about himself. But rather, he's pointing out, he sees what's happening in society, 
He knows God. He sees what's happening. That's not God. That's broken. That's out of whack. And what he's doing here, he's, he's praying in Psalm 82, he's praying about injustice in the world. He's praying about the poor. He's praying about orphans. He's praying about the oppressed. I mean, did you see that in the text? He's crying out to God, like, God, you got to fix this. Send your peace. Send your healing. Send your, like, what is happening? Things are broken and out of control. And so firstly, it's a corporate lament because he is lamenting on behalf of the world around him. Of people and relationships and how society is ordered and how governments are corrupt. Or you name it, this is what Asaph is doing in this psalm. But secondly, the reason why it's corporate is because this psalm, actually all the psalms, is to be read, prayed, or even sung in the assembly of God's people. It's not actually meant to be read only alone. And remember, what it is that we're reading, we call it a book. The book of Psalms. Just like we call all 66 books in the Bible. We all call them books, even though some are letters, some are narratives, some are historical accounts. They're, they're not all books. We've just compiled them. And so the book of Psalms has 150 actually prayers or songs. It's a collection of either a song or a prayer. And even our author today is Asaph. And Asaph is what Zach talked about last week. He, he, he told us that Asaph was most likely a worship leader or a music director alongside King David. In a very corporate setting with the people of God, when they were gathered, Asaph was corporately leading the people of God in prayers and in songs to God. And so even though it may feel strange when you read Psalm 82 that it would be a song, right? Because like, you know, the songs that we sung this morning aren't, you know, God judge the earth and... The nations belong to you. Deliver us from the grasp of evil people. That's not the, the same lyrics that we sung this morning. Right? But again, it's most likely would have been sung in the assembly of God's people uh, in a corporate setting as a song or a prayer of lament. Asaph, as the worship leader, would be involving the whole people of God into the brokenness that was in the world. He was saying, guys, we need to cry out to God on behalf of what's happening. And so for them, what was, what was natural was they would sing about it. They would declare God's attributes. They would even lament over the world's brokenness. And they would say, God, we need you to do something about it. And, and just as a side note here, I think this, this is really neat. Because it, it, there's another example why reading and study the Bible is so good for us. It's because all of us, myself included, probably have a narrow and a really particular view on what musical worship is supposed to be or what makes it good in a church. I guarantee you, all of you do. Because of our upbringing, because what music we like, 
whether we like it more, more of like a hymn, whether we like big band, lights, color, action, smoke machines. You know what I mean? Like the, we have, and we've had our own experiences of what's been meaningful musical worship. And so we have coming in, we already have all these presuppositions of like, this is how worship's good and this is what it's supposed to be like. And, you know, I don't think it helps that like, it's true, just, you know, our Christian church culture in America has probably not been good in this area. And to be honest, even the last few years where everyone else can see everyone else's worship has been a weird thing for every pastor in every church. It's a weird thing that happens when everything can be seen by everyone. Rather than like, dude, we're just at a school, we're just leading worship. There's something that happens. But again, if we were truly to allow scripture, like today, to inform us how we're to pray and to worship. Right? This is a biblical worship leader. It doesn't get more, what do, you, what do you want me to say? That's like, let's look to the Bible. Let's look to a worship leader in the Bible. How did they lead worship? By lamenting. It wasn't always that way, right? We see sometimes it's praise, sometimes it's joy, sometimes it is just declaring the goodness of God. God is so good, I'm just going to sing for an hour. That's good, we should do that. But what Psalm 82 teaches us is there's times that we need to, as a church, like lament over what is literally happening in our world, which is never ending. Like it's never stops. Like you, bad, horrible, bad, worse, why? So bad that a lot of us are like, I'm out. Right? But what, what Asaph's doing here is, is he's giving this example. What Psalm 82 is, is that sometimes our prayer and our worship life in community, in corporate settings, should be filled, filled with lamenting over the brokenness in the world and how far we've come and gone from God's perfect plan and to cry out for God to save us and heal our land. That should also be a part of it. And Psalm 82, right, is, is one of those examples. There's more, plenty more, but of God's people participating in corporate lament. And the truth is, is like it probably, I, I think probably most of us would agree that this practice has mostly all but been lost in the church today. I know even for me, like growing up, uh, middle school onward, being really involved with church, not necessarily when I was elementary and younger, but, you know, got saved in middle school and onward, and loved my church. Awesome church. I mean, so many of you have probably stories of like, yeah, this is great. But if you were going to say, well, how many times did you spend a Sunday corporately lamenting upon the world around us and crying out to God for help? And like, that's all you did. You'd be like, I don't know, maybe never. Maybe sometimes, or maybe when there's like that one cultural moment that if you don't talk about it, then like, you know what I mean? I don't think this is normalized. I don't think this is practice. I think it's kind of a, a lost art, a lost practice of God's people. And so my heart today, just to kind of like, is, is just to reveal, I guess, that this is a biblical response. And it should be normalized, right? And, and possibly maybe reframe this practice a bit and encourage us to like be more comfortable and able to step into prayer 
to God on behalf of the world's brokenness and humanity's pain. Um, and so how I want to do that is just simply remind us, like, what we're supposed to care about most. Um, as Christians, right? So if you refer to yourself as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, if you believe that he died and rose again upon the cross and he paid your sins, right? Like, that's, that's a core, that's, the, that's what makes us Christians, right? That we've been made aware of our sin and we've repented of that sin and God's forgiven us and we're now in all in the process of what we call sanctification, becoming more like Jesus and we're daily being redeemed and making, being made uh, more like him, right? Literally, God is reversing the effect of sin in our lives. This is, this is Christianity, you get saved, you say yes to the prayer, you believe who Jesus is and what he did, but then daily, God is trying to, attempting to, wanting to deal with the sin that you've done and the sin that's been done to you from others, holistically. But also, not only that, but also we now, as a people of God that are redeemed and restored and been saved, we now actually co-labor with Christ to see God's kingdom come in the world on earth as it is in heaven. We actually get to play a part. We don't deserve it. We didn't deserve to get saved. <laughs> and none of us are worthy and deserving of like God being like, I want you. I want to use you to see my kingdom come and see people be healed and set free. But by God's grace, not only does he save us, but he chooses to use us, right? And if you remind, if you, if, if, again, to take us way back to the very first few pages of Scripture and of time, right? In the Garden of Eden, pre-sin, okay? I just want to take you there for a second to make my point. Pre-sin, all was good. It was very good. It was perfect. God even said it himself. And he set humanity up to flourish in every way. Pre-sin, everyone was treated equally. There was no disease. There was no pain. There was no death. There was no division. There were no wars. You get, you get where I'm going? Like, all of creation was at peace in shalom, perfect, and exactly how God designed it. Beautiful, wonderful. Like, none of us can even, even, even imagine that. <laughs> because the last few years, specifically, has been filled with everything that was not. That is every day for us right now. Sin entered, invaded it all, creating havoc and destruction. To this day, we're dealing with it. Sin. Humanity, sin. And humanity, as we all know very well, is continuing to perpetuate evil, sin, and brokenness. And as Christians, we actually, like I said, get to play an active role in seeing all of God's creation renewed, redeemed, restored back to his design. That design. And God uses us, we are, the people of God, are the means by which he does this. 
you read the Bible from cover to cover, <laughs> how has God changed the world? How are we here? How are we saved? It's by God using people, really messed up, imperfect people, but people that were saved and redeemed and just said, yeah, God, use me. Imperfectly using me. That's how God does it. That's how he's always done it. The world is saved and redeemed and set free and made whole by believers, the church, actively praying and working towards seeing God's kingdom break in and bring wholeness and healing from the mess, the absolute mess that we've created. But what I believe lament is, this is where I'm going, going to, I believe lament is actually the precursor to this. This is what I mean. You see, as walking ambassadors of Jesus, I know you might think that's weird that you're called an ambassador. And we have like, you think of like a consulate ambassador. But we are called ambassadors or representatives of Jesus to the world. Like we are to represent and we are to show and tell others about the person of Jesus and our life and our actions and our priorities are supposed to declare who he is, right? Again, that's mainly because our hearts are being transformed, we're becoming more like Jesus. But what that should do is that it's only natural that we start having the heart of God for every person and for all of creation. And so where God's kingdom coming starts, I believe, is actually being sensitive to, aware of, and mindful of all the ways God's creation is out of whack. And examples of this, right, would be, I mean, there's many, but examples of this would be by the way people are treated, right, in line with God's heart for them. So as Christians, all of us should care about any form of oppression. Again, because that's got against God's design. Even Asaph brings it up thousands of years ago in Israel. He's crying out to God for the oppressed. Also, as the people of God, we should want to see people treated equally, which we've done a really poor job at as, as humans. But we are, as the people of God, as the church, are supposed to like really care about that. We also are supposed to really care that all people flourish in every aspect of life. And that could be something as like you guys that are donating your clothing to those that without. That's trying to promote human flourishing. Because God doesn't want anyone to be without anything. Right? That's part of it. We should also want all people to be at peace. Like, we should want that. Like, for the whole world. Yeah, I know it's cheesy, but world peace. Like, that's the, absolutely. Or relational peace. Like, the Christian should, like, desperately try and care about being at peace with everyone. We should also want love and joy and peace to abound to all people of all ages, of all ethnicities, of all nations for all time. Like, we should really, we, that should be a value and a priority. Because why? Because it's close to the heart of God. 
It's in line with his will and his desire for all of creation. And so anytime any of that is out of whack, which it's all out of whack, right? The people of God, I believe the first response, people of God, unfortunately, myself included, Christians worldwide, American Christians, you name it, Christians of all time, we're really good at the first thing is pointing the finger and judging. We're so good at that, unfortunately. But what I believe the first response that the people of God should have when they see brokenness of any kind is we should grieve. <clears throat> Our hearts should just break about what happened. Stop trying to immediately fix the problem or point the finger. We're, unfortunately, we're really good at that. And that's just not a Christian thing. That's just a people thing. Like we just want to... But as the people of God, what we should do first is that our hearts should break for what breaks God's heart. Like we should just be broken and grieve over the fallen nature of this world. And these things should make us a people who regularly take that brokenness to God in prayer. And I, I think it's really easy to, I think it's really easy to not do this. And not even for bad intention, but the world is so overwhelming that even those of us that I know that are really care about people and you love God so much, it can be so overwhelming the world that, that you, you actually no longer want to hear about it anymore. I'm not saying that that's inherently bad, but I want to challenge us that God, I, I do believe, wants to use the believer to step into others' pain and to ask God to meet them in that pain. And if the believer is just out of it and just kind of waiting for Jesus to get back or like, I don't even know what I would do anyway. That's too hard to even think about. If we are just always not involved and we're kind of escapists, I believe we're going to miss out in God bringing some healing and restoration because uh, I believe that we're supposed to be at the forefront, actually. We're supposed to be in it, in the brokenness, in the trenches, whatever you want to say. Like, we're supposed to be in it. And again, that's because we're supposed to bear each other's burdens, you know, and um, a major characteristic of what should define the follower of Jesus, right guys? It's empathy. It's having compassion of others. It's being aware of their pain, right? It's learning and listening and caring for others. It's mourning with those who mourn. That's really difficult to do, and that's not fun, and that's not easy, and that's really painful. But once again, I, I believe that in order to corporate lament, to bring that pain to God, is, 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 is to step into it first. But don't just stay there. But what does Asaf do? He, he, he notes that the world is broken, but then he says, God, it's so broken. Help us fix it. 
And I want to remind us of a quote Abby shared a few weeks back that encourages us to what lament should look like. And it's by Walter Brueggemann. And it says this, Laments are refusals to settle for the way things are. They are acts of relentless hope that believes no situation has fallen out of Yahweh's or, or God's capacity for transformation. That no situation falls outside of Yahweh's responsibility. So again, church, I think God wants to grow us in this area. That we would be aware of what's happening in this world. That we would not just put it out of sight and out of mind, but, but we would cry out to God on behalf of others to see God's kingdom come. And so in other words, we're actually supposed to have big hearts for all peoples because we have, we're, we're actually meant to have the very heart of God. Like think about that. You know, people say you have a big heart. Well, as Christians, I, I would just add, I'm like, you're, you're, I understand the, the saying, but you're actually supposed to have the heart of God for all people. And we're, because we're continually being made into his image. Again, our hearts should break for what breaks his. And so what, what I want to do today with that is I want to, I want to, I want to model that. I want to practice that. <laughs> The world is so, so broken, and it's so in need of God's kingdom to come. And so what I want to do here today, today in this corporate setting, is I want to corporately lament to God in prayer together over all that's happening in the world. Um, I want us to pray over all that's hard and complicated that, honestly, we don't even probably feel comfortable talking about because it's too it's too much, it's too painful, or it's too controversial, or whatever it is. I want us to take all that's hard and complicated. Again, everything from, let me just say it. I'm not going to say, let me just say it. COVID and mass and vaccines and racism and politics and war and school shootings and other things, even more controversial things. And I want, to, I want us, I want us to, to think about all that that's happening, that has happened, that is happening. And I want us to pray together for God to heal and redeem and renew it all. I just want us to engage in prayer. And so like last week or the weeks past, um, we're going to ask the worship team to come up. I'll have them come up right now. They're going to play a few songs. And during these first two songs, I would love if you would turn to someone uh, next to you, one or two people. And... Just, just pray. Just ask God to pray for the world around us. And these can be really obviously broad prayers. But I just, let's just pray for God to heal these broken places. Uh, here are some guidelines though. Here's some guidelines. I don't want us to give God our own solutions. Or tell him, this is important because of our own politics. Guys, just hear me out. What we think should happen. Please don't. It's, it's going to make it awkward in your group. Trust me. It's going to just, there's broken. God, you fix it. Don't say, God, fix it this way. Don't do it. So we're all in different spots about what we think. But 
I think a better way this morning for these first couple songs and our time just to, to exercise this would just be asking God, like, God, would you change hearts? Would you save people? Would you change minds? Would you heal? Would you restore? Would you reverse the effects of sin? Like, just pray in God's kingdom. Pray for God to come and be God in these really hard places. Um, you guys good with that? All right, so let's, uh, I'm going to pray for our time. Worship team's going to uh, play just for the first two songs. Then I'll come up and I'll uh, kind of lead us into a few more songs of worship and communion. But at least for now, let me pray just that uh, this would be a, a sweet time of praying with one another over what's happening in our world uh, as a form of corporate lament. <coughs> God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that even when we, like, are reminded of, like, all the bad, hard things in the world, thank you that it's not our job to fix them all. That's not what we're doing today. But actually, we're going to the only one that can actually fix them all, and that's you. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to remove, like, even our hesitancy or our uncomfortability right now, and that we would just remember that we're your kids, you are our Father in heaven, but you also, like, hold the span of the universe in your hands, that you're able to save and redeem and set free and heal. And Jesus, you even told us how to pray, and part of that prayer was to say that we should ask for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And so I just pray that that would happen today and that, God, you would be made uh, more magnified and more glorified in this world than ever before. That this world would see the kingdom of God break in. And so, God, would you use this time for your glory? I uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>